Hello, this is Rabbi Mark Soloway. Welcome to A Dash of Drush, weekly reflections on our world through the lens of Torah. I'm back in London this week and I am with really my oldest friend. We've known each other our whole lives. And uh, we've just been talking about various things and thought we might have a conversation on a dash of drush. Jonathan Glazer is uh, an amazing writer and film director, has set out some really amazing, anyway, some great films, Sexy Beast, Birth, Under the Skin, also made some, um, a lot of music videos and adverts and very creative soul and a deep thinker. Is that okay if I call you a deep thinker? Love it. <laughs> and so we, we're going to reflect on art, spirituality, religion, what makes us Jewish, and other such things. You made a comment before. Uh, uh, hi, Jonathan. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good to see you. Always. We don't see each other enough. No. Um, you made a comment before about bloodthirsty stories in the Torah, and I'm, I was struck by that because this this week we're actually there's this sort of almost like reward in the Torah for this act of violence, and it's very hard to make sense of it. There's a character called Pinchas, mm. and Pinchas is like this zealot who puts a puts an end to a plague through a spearing uh, two lovers mm. like right, and it kills them both. And I, you know, it, there's this this quote that um, I've quoted before on this which is from Rabbi Shlomo Kalabach who said that a Torah is a commentary on our world and the world is a commentary on the Torah and I think when you know you, you sort of almost dismiss Torah as being this bloodthirsty I mean you, I don't think you did actually mm. but I didn't but it's inter- it. no you didn't dismiss it but I, what I find like, like I think a starting point like the place of violence because I mean, your first feature film, Sexy Beast, had a lot of violence in it. Yeah. And, and there's a place that violence plays in our world when we reflect it through religion and art that's reflecting the, the violence of humanity, maybe. Mm-hmm. Sure, absolutely. Well, it's in us, isn't it? The world is the world is the way it is because we're the way we are. If we were different, so would the world be. Right. Yeah. Violence is, violence is in us. So what is it when you... When that you make films that have violence in them, I mean, how are you? Well, I wouldn't say I'm a. I'm, I'm not drawn to violence as a subject. You know, like there are obviously there are filmmakers who are, and and very ca- they're very casual or can be very casual in in their use of it. I've never felt that way about it. I don't. I'm not drawn to it. I'm. I'm. I think I'm probably. It's probably more psychological violence, I suppose, than what that does to people. It's probably a closer theme for me than physical violence in, in the work I've done so far. But how do you, I mean we were talking a little bit about art and the, the sort of role and function and place of, of art mm. and how that's similar and how it's different to religion. Mm. Well, I mean what is your art for you, for you? Well it's hard to, I mean I often think what is it and it's, I can't, I don't, who know, I don't know what it is, I, I, I certainly know that the impulse, the impulse to reach for something greater than you and is, is, is strong um, and I'm not sure I think it's the same impulse that leads people to religious conviction it's a different venue or a different um, expression but I think the impulse is, is identical for me uh, it's, it's 
I'm more drawn, I'm more, not drawn by, but I'm more somehow engaged by, my curiosity is, is engaged much more by the space, by, by, by our place in the universe, and rather than rather so much than our place on earth and and i think it's a sort of but i think it's a so there's an awe to what i believe there is an awe to in art in our appreciation of art and now reaching for it in the same way as there is for people who you know follow religion you know i i, I don't i'm not i've never i don't feel there's a there's a, there's a distinction between them i just think it's the same thing it's just a different method yeah the impulses is the same well, certainly throughout history, art and religion have been very closely... I mean, there's been tremendously spiritual expressions of art that have come out of religion, or sometimes not. There's sometimes religion that's come out of art, where yeah. a piece of art can be so inspiring that mm. it kind of leads to some kind of religious impulse, whatever that is. Mm. Whatever that is. But I think, I think we're, imper we live in an, we're imperfect in an imperfect world, and, and art is there... Because of that, I think if we, if, there was a, if, we if, if human beings were harmonious and we lived in harmony with one another, there would be no need for it. It's, it art exists because of what we lack and strive for. Isn't religion the same? Yeah. You think that's the goal, though, for us to reach perfection and no longer need art and maybe no longer need religion? I don't I know. Mean, I don't. I don't. Well, we're we heading. Well, <laughs> we, you know, no, we're good at the moment. Where are we heading? That's a good question. Who knows? Oh, we're evolving. Oh, that's for sure. You know, we're not. I think we. I think we look at ourselves as a sort of. It's like we're fully evolved somehow. That we're not going to take on a different form or shape or, you know. But we we are evolving. We're just obviously doing it at a pace that we can't recognise when we're when we're alive. But but you know, in a, if the human species is still here in a million years, I'm sure we'll look very different to the way we do today. But I'm not sure we'll think differently to the way we do so, or what, what's fundamental in the way we think will remain the same. But what's the what's the evolving then? What's the evolution? I think we're evolving to get get, get off this planet. I think that's how I think that seems to be what we're marching towards. Not everybody, clearly, that will be a. And and I think we're probably these are just science fiction ideas. That um, you know, I'm saying this with no authority whatsoever, but. But um, I can imagine, if I was thinking about a science fiction premise, say, of what human beings might be in a million years, I, I should imagine if we were going to get off this planet, then we would need to, um, and travel the distances that we would need to, we wouldn't be able to, our human bodies wouldn't, able, wouldn't allow us to travel those distances. So we would somehow, human consciousness would somehow find a new conduit for itself, not the body. So you think it's human consciousness that's evolving? Because I think that is a, mm. I mean, that's a, a pretty classical religious idea, the mm. idea that what we, the mess, the horrible, horrible mm. mess and violence and pain and the mm. indignity of humanity that's being witnessed all over the, the world is, you know, in some religious languages, is, you know, I'm not sure that I connect to it by the, the, the concept of the birth pangs of a messianic consciousness the mm. idea that things are going to get even worse and then and then what's going to come out the other side of it is this elevated sort of human consciousness mm. which some religious thinkers would say is the coming of the messiah the coming of mashiach mm. but i think that's in some ways a, a coded way of looking at a death wish just a different well i don't know if it's a death wish or just a, just the idea that we we somehow get it in a different way 
the other side of this mess. Mm, I think I think we have I think we have that impulse in us though. I think I think apocalypse is is an impulse. Um, I think we I think we're drawn to war as well. I think I think there's clearly something in human uh, consciousness that, that pulls us towards war, like like uh, like a like a flame. You know, we're, we're pulled towards it. Um, there's a there's a there's an awful um, allure, I think, mm. in us towards destruction, and I can understand how religions might adopt that as a sort of pushing towards the end of times, the end of days, in order to resurrect as some, you know, bit higher being, higher consciousness, more evolved, purer, you know, better. Um, but I, I don't, I don't believe that there's redemption. I don't believe there's salvation. I don't think those things fully ex really exist. I think they're, they're, they're wish, they're wishes, mm -hmm. um, they're things that we wish for ourselves. But I don't think they exist. Saying that, I, I'm obviously I believe that you know we are we are we strive to be better. We strive to be good. We we that side of us that uh, the good wolf in us, if you like, is um, the one we try and feed more than the bad wolf um, in order for that to dominate in us and mm -hmm. and uh, to be to to live a positive life and contribute positively and all that. So. But that's a paradox we have in us, inside each of us, isn't it? We, they, we, we're, we're, we're wrestling with the two sides of our nature. I am, anyway, all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I think that's the human journey, the human experience, is that paradox, you know, that we are both yeah. things. Yeah, and that's, in a lot of Jewish thought, the rabbis talk about the Yetzirah Harah and the Yetzirah HaTov, which is the, the inclination to do good and the inclination to do evil and the mm. idea that every human being has both and it's this constant sort of sense of struggle mm. and in fact some people I've heard you know some of Muslim friends I have say that the idea of jihad it was never meant to be an external war against the infidels you know which is what it's become for mm. some parts of the uh, fundamentalist Islamic world but that the, the jihad is this this war we wage within ourselves with those two aspects of ourselves you know mm. I want to ask you like what so what motivates you to 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 make the films that you make, I don't know what what it is. I don't know what the, the sparks of each one for me has been, and the one I'm writing now, I've written now, the one I'm going to make next. But are all they feel? They're definitely. I'm definitely compelled to do them. They, there's something happens in me, or I have to. I have to. Uh, some. I have to. You know. And I, if, if if an idea or a theme or, or a feeling occurs to me or comes to me, I will audition it in my mind for a long period of time. I'll. I'll turn it over and I'll turn it over and I'll turn it over and it can take months, years sometimes to, to see, and, I, and I'm really testing the edges of it and to see how much there is, how much depth there is, how much breadth there is, you know, um, how fertile it is. And if I feel it is, then I'll, I'll investigate further. I'll go in and in and in and then, and then I'm hooked and that's it. And I, I'll, I'll, I'm in there for as long as it takes. And um, if it's less than that, then, then, I'm, then, I'm, then I don't feel like I, I want to continue with it. So. Um, the film you mentioned, the first film I made, Sexy Beast, that you mentioned before, I think you mentioned that. That was, um, see, I never, I didn't write Sexy Beast. It was a brilliant script, great fun, first film. But I don't really feel connected to that film. It didn't feel like it's really for me. I mean, I enjoyed making it a great deal, of course I did. But um, I'm really, I was, a, I worked purely and simply as a film director. I, I 
who was it? He had a did, fantastic cast to work with. I did have a must have really helped. Yeah, yeah, of course. It was yeah. um, they were it was great fun, and, and I learnt loads doing it. But essentially, I was pointing the camera at a really well written script, and that and my my job was that it wasn't to interfere with that. So that that's one thing I can separate that out from the other things I do. Um, so the other things I do are definitely um, much more from me. Um, less popular, actually, for that for that reason. <laughs> but that's fine. Well, because I mean. I believe in sequence the next film you made was Birth, which was which was really about reincarnation. Yeah. Well, it was about grief, really. I it was suppose. about grief. Yeah, I think it was about grief, and I think it was about somebody sort of driven mad by love, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, that was I had a, a torrid time making that film because I because you know when you make a film you have to obviously you're looking for the money to make it with, and uh, at the time I didn't know I couldn't really distinguish between one person offering it and another I just thought money was money and actually I I was I found myself in a in a real conflict with the studio who gave me the money to make it they clearly thought I was making something other than I was um, and that was horrible and I and I learned from that and then the, the film I made after that under the skin was much more supported I was much more supported in my viewpoint um, to the so I made pretty much the film I with the funds I had I made exactly the film I tried to I, I set out to so so you know that's much more important to me than mm-hmm. uh, an audience or pleasing a crowd. You know, I have to feel like I'm, I'm fulfilling what I set out to achieve to begin with for myself. I mean, and clearly you've got. I mean, you've you've worked with such incredible actors, and that's you know Scarlett Johansson and Nicole Kidman and Ben Kingsley. I mean, mm-hmm. just to name three. And and I think that um, what I've heard, not from you, but mm-hmm. from other people in the industry. I mean, the act. Actors, I think, really enjoy working with you because of the the creativity that you, that you bring. I mean, I want to talk about your the project that you're working on now. But before we go there, I'm yeah. just like I, I'm intrigued, especially as someone who was, is, could be an actor. You know, like that relationship between between the director and the actor, because there's magic that happens mm. there. Mm. And there's, ma- I mean, that's the the magic in the storytelling. Yeah, is probably that relation I mean obviously there's lots of other components too. well it's the most the important component yeah. of course it is more than anything you know ultimately if you've got a if you've got a if you've got uh, if you've got the right actor or actress and you are um, and they embody the things you're trying to achieve uh, yeah, that's all you need really I mean the rest is setting to some extent and aesthetics but the the fundamental the sort of core of your endeavor is uh, is between is between the director and the actors of course um, yeah, and they're all different, and some require more than others, and some. The, the, I, I'm not a director who likes necessarily to get sort of. I don't rehearse actors at all. I try and find. Um, I like the freshness and the the fear of of uh, being sort of almost prepared, you know, on the cusp of being prepared, and mm-hmm. that, that I like that that fribulation, you know. But um, sounds like me before my high holiday sermons, <laughs> probably. Um, yeah, you, you know, you, you you want your wits about you, yes. and, and uh, uh, you know, I like the pressure. I'm good under pressure, like that. So, but um, but I think the best directions are ones that are given to actors that then allow the actor to effectively police their own performance. One of the best directions I've ever heard given, actually, was there's a number, but one the one that springs to mind from Sexy Beast was um, uh, not one I gave, but it was um, um, I was Ben Kingsley told me that when. Uh, he was directed by Roman Polanski in Death and the Maiden, which was um, quite a stagey film. Actually, it was very, very sort of text-heavy. Um, 
but it was about I think he played a sort of Chilean a Chilean dictator who was kidnapped by two uh, activists revengeists who were uh, going to sort of try him in a kangaroo court I think from I haven't seen the film for years and years but I think that's pretty much what it what it was about and apparently Kingsley went up to Polanski and he said to him I you know I'm playing a, a guilty man and he's done this terrible thing he's done that terrible thing and I have to sit in here and I have to sort of lie to these people and he said I, I don't know how to make the performance interesting he's, he's, he's what do I do and my starting point is I'm a guilty man and Polanski says you're an innocent man play him innocent and that and that was all I think he said to me something like Polanski didn't really need to speak to him again after that apart from calibrating sit here sit there walk a bit faster walk a bit slower whatever it was shot to shot it was that direction was so significant for the actor to actually be able to say I can inhabit that direction and I can express the character through it and as a director you will, for me you know, you're trying to find the most succinct direction that, that is somehow the core of why, why the actor's in that role and then, and then if the actor's a, you know, a clever person and they can think it through themselves they will understand the decisions they make uh, they will mm. be able to police their own decisions after that you give them ownership of that role in, 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 with a direction as, as straightforward as that I think the ones you get in trouble with are the ones who you know they don't really know why they're there and they're not really sure they don't really feel the character they're not sure how they should be should they be like this should be like that uh, th 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 that can become grueling you know? yeah sure so let's um, if, if you don't mind uh, let's finish and, and just talk a little bit about the project that you're working on now we've been talking about it a little bit but you are for the first time um, in your career making mm. a movie about the Shah about the Holocaust mm. set in Auschwitz prim primarily and uh, it's been a quite a process and a journey for you it sounds like yep it has been it uh, started off as a well I think it started as a boy um, watch you know looking at the pictures that my parents showed me when I was probably 12 13 years old you know however I came across them but you know, of Kristallnacht actually, it was to do with the sort of the, you know, those, those uh, you know, the kind of, uh, uh, you know, those awful images that, that uh, um, of Jews cleaning the streets with toothbrushes or, or being hounded out of this house or that house or, or, or whatever, and, and um, I'm, I'm, I can't, pick, the, the thing that struck me, I suppose, after the kind of horror of the of watching the, the what was being meted out to to these people were the um, I suppose was the uh, my I remember being very taken by the faces of the the, the, the bystanders, the, the onlookers, the complicit, you know, um, ordinary Germans. Yeah, so I was taken by by the faces of the sort of bystanders, and and I started wondering how how it would be possible to stand by and watch that happen and 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 be you know on some of the faces actually enjoy it and um the spectacle of it and the kind of circus of it and um that that really haunted me actually and and i sort of felt years and years later that i'd come back to that somehow that thought and uh, i feel like that's what i'm doing here i think I, so i think i'm tr i can tr now i've you know, spent five, four or five years now working entirely on this project uh, you, if you work in, if you, you know, if you, you know, not just the books about the, the many of the books as I have been able to read about the Holocaust, but but um, but also the ethics of rep representation, 
of the Holocaust, you know, the actual the ethics of what it means to represent the Holocaust in art or, or music or theatre, film, whatever. You know, so I don't, it's not. It's certainly not a subject I've gone into lightly. Uh, unique. I don't. I think that'd be a terrible thing to try and do. Um, and I'm constantly questioning my motives about why I'm doing it as well. It's not. A, it's not a sort of straightforward thing at all. But uh, yeah, that's going to be the film I'm going to make now. I mean, it feels. You know, I've as someone who has just recently uh, buried a, a, a survivor of Auschwitz, a 96-year-old woman who was very beloved woman and just hearing some of her stories and what would you say to her someone who'd lived through the brutality of that place about this this project how would you ask her her, her permission or even her blessing to to make this film I don't know I don't know I, I think I've th I've sort of feel like I've avoided that meet that meeting that person whether it's your the lady that you buried Irene yeah. or you know, other people. I put put the feelers out. You know, for for uh, you know to to meet Holocaust survivors. But I I haven't pushed on on it because I suppose I'm frightened of that reaction. I'm frightened of what they might say to me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm frightened of it. I'm just I'm, I'm not sure. I just I feel like I'm intruding. Yeah. You know, I'm not. Uh, it's t it's a weird place to find yourself. I'm sure. But you mentioned to me earlier that the the protagonist of the film is mm. Auschwitz itself. It's the, the, the culture, the environment, the, the, the possibility that yeah. Auschwitz even exists. Yeah. That's the protagonist. Basically, it is exactly that, yeah. So the, that, that's the thing, I mean, for anybody who's been to Auschwitz and visit, you know, in, in modern times and, and been to the Memorial and Museum, um, it's, it's uh, the, pl the place itself is um, really... Uh, you know, overwhelming, and most of the films I've ever seen about the Holocaust or where the Holocaust has been portrayed, I don't think you can really make a film about the Holocaust, but you can you can find a corner that, that somehow speaks to the, the whole somehow. But um, but I've never um, been personally that sort of struck by films that have taken stories of um, survive of you know people who have been through you know terrible experiences or whether it's a story about you know honor or love or you know loss or escape or whatever and so a lot of the stories I've seen I, I do sometimes think they could be set anywhere actually they're, they're, they're as soon as you as soon as you as soon as you put put one plot let's say it's a plot about a love story that happens to take place in Auschwitz as soon as you define a plot you're sort of somehow relegating Auschwitz as a place um, and it becomes a context it doesn't become so for me I, I just don't want to do I've never I just felt that was wrong I felt I've, I've felt clearly that Auschwitz is the it has to be front middle and centre the place the space itself the fact that it still exists you know to see a place to visit a place like Auschwitz where you see the the evidence of hum of that suffering and these are the walls, those are the floors, these are the beams, those are the beds, you know, it, it's, it's an overwhelming experience. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I kind of help think of it a little bit, you know, in, our, in the Jewish calendar right now, we're, in, we're, we're at the beginning of this three-week period where we're, t where we're focusing on destruction and, you know, on, mm. in a few weeks we've got uh, Tisha B'Av, which is this um, 
very difficult holiday. It's a fast day, and it's where we commemorate not just the destruction of of the first and the second temples in Jerusalem, but but lots of um, awful persecution in, in throughout the, the the history of the Jewish people, including supposedly historically the the final solution was the, the you know the papers that authorized the final solution were signed on Tisha B'Av, and there's this idea of this period being a a time of mourning where we as a people are um, collectively in that narrative of, mm. of destruction and mm. I so there f- it feels like there's a, a, a definite link to talking about Auschwitz right now but I think I mean d- the whole concept of memorializing destruction I mean you're which is what we've sort of been talking about mm. and we, we'll draw this to a close pretty soon here but um, so you're I mean what you just said about Auschwitz I mean the mm. idea that it it has to continue to be a memory to that unbelievable subjugation and degradation of humanity and mm. w- w- the, 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 all of the awful barbaric things that mm. happened in that place and so what's the um, the philosopher um, but that, that whole concept that you you know if the, those who forget the past um, Santanyana, uh, mm. George Santanyana those who forget the past are condemned to repeat it I mean mm. is, it, is it that, yeah, I that spe- idea? I suppose it is yeah and so you think by your contribution in this film is is another layer of that i think it's it's you know it's going to it's a, it's a big old it's a big number to for me of course to under, to undertake but i think it has to be you know it's it's leaving living memory now it it i don't think there are that many people out there who are going to sit through 9 hours of shoa or you know or, or read some of the books that I've read and others of course have read and I think that it's important to sort of uh, for, for to make something which for a new paradigm I suppose for mm. for a new generation who uh, who need to come to the subject uh, in a different way than they've been exposed to it before the way we were exposed to it you know people aren't going to be Schindler's List is not going to be the film necessarily that attracts 20 21 year olds or whatever now think the further away it gets it gets from the time that it that it happened the, yes. the harder it is to 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 maintain it as, as a memory and the story has to be told in a different way i think it has to always be told and i just and i think each generation have to tell it and no doubt they will tell it differently from the previous generation because they're that much more removed from it but also you know tastes change and fashion changes and people need to are going to come at the subject they have to come at the subject mm-hmm. using a a vocabulary, a new, uh, a way that they haven't seen it before, and mm. to stimulate them to have them think about it, to not feel like they're watching something that happened and it's somehow in aspic. It needs to feel absolutely uh, uh, prescient mm. um, because it is. And you know, we, the times we're living through, you know, are uh, you know, you've got to make film. You, I think, I think, I think you've got to talk about the times you're living in. You know, yes. and um, Brecht said something like that, didn't he? About if in dark. In dark times, will they be singing? Yes, they'll be singing about dark times. You know, you, you yeah. can't. You have to. You know, it's, du- it's, du- it's your duty to some extent. I think uh, artistically to to take it on. And and um, my, I don't know what my reasons for taking it on are. I can, I could, there and numerous, in numerous what, but it feels in what you just said that a piece of it is just a, a sort of almost like a moral calling to expose the, the the potential of what you know certain trends that are happening in in our world right yeah. now i mean the this this is the ultimate place that this could go if we let it hate that's where hate lent that's where hate goes that's where hate ends up 
yeah. in the construction of an industrial or a death camp where the where the subjugated are the vanquished are you know dehumanized to the extent and then murdered and then every aspect of their body um, is somehow industrialized is used for the most grotesque uh, uh, purposes and I think that's unprecedented in human history I think and and it needs to be it never it can it can never be Polo, but then we say never again. You know, we say never again. What do we mean when we say never again? Exactly. What is never again? Because I don't believe never again. I think. I think. Well, clearly, Rwanda and, and uh, you know the Balkans and uh, Syria, Syria and uh, you know Myanmar. I mean, you know, I mean it's some of the stories you. I was reading from you know from Myanmar, the massacres that were going on in Myanmar with the Rohingya. Yeah. I mean, they were like the. They were not dissimilar at all from some of the stories I've read in about uh, you know the 1930s yeah. in Europe I mean yeah. verbatim almost you know it doesn't take uh, a man in a black uniform with a Nazi armband to 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 identify someone as a Nazi as a, yeah. as a fascist I mean they're, they're it's in every you know strata mm-hmm. Of society really and uh, just we just have to we just have to be more, you know mindful of it we have to oppose it you know and in my little way I try and do that with with my work I'm trying to yes you know but yeah but anyway but listen enough about that well no I want to I mean so you're going to start filming in in next summer and uh, the film will probably come out year after probably the year after sometime in 2020 yeah and uh, wish you <laughs> luck and strength with, you, the, with the project. Be, you're, you'll be, you're going to come with me, aren't you? I'm, I'm hoping to, to yeah. actually. I've never been to Auschwitz. I'm hoping. I, I, I'm feeling like seeing Auschwitz for the first time with you, and the, yeah. especially the amount of time you've already spent there. But you had that most amazing experience, didn't you, where you went with your family to? Um, yeah, we went to to Lithuania yeah. and, and and uncovered a lot of our own family yeah. history. Yeah, some of which is, of course, connected to yeah. all of this. Yeah, but I think uh, <laughs> it's a hard place to leave it. But I wanna, I wanna leave it there. I wanna I talk one day about you and me as a you know rabbi and filmmaker, like what what that's all about. You know, babe, we were we were we've known each other all yeah. our lives. It's so strange, isn't it? How it is how we've ended up where we are. Different have. paths, yeah. Mm. But somehow, right, not that two. different. Somehow, I think I always think when we chat, we, we there's plenty of things we share. You know, plenty of thoughts and ideas, ideas we share that, of course, you, you, they're just expressed differently. But I think the the, the uh, impetus is there. Yeah. So let's do it again. Yeah, well, that'll be right. part two. Okay. But for, for now, I just um, what, whatever little kernels of, of of hope we can get in this dark world, and 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 and, and yes, the importance of. Of bringing to light um, the awful things that human beings can do to each other and mm. continue to do each other. So whether we're activists or rabbis or filmmakers, we're mm. all sort of playing our little part in mm. that mm. in that world of um, lifting up the the goodness of humanity rather than the darkness and brutality. Mm. So thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Mel. Great to see you. Always. Thank you for listening to A Dash of Drush, and we will see you next time.